my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope you're doing well. When I tell you, y'all, I'm so excited about today's episode. I try not to get too excited about topics because I feel like I kind of jinx myself when I'm teaching. Um, but I think, I think that this is going to be so helpful for y'all. And I think that this is going to be something that many of you, those, especially those of you who tell me that you re-listen to podcast episodes and you share them with your friends. I think this is going to be one of them. So today we're going to be talking about the difference between secure love, love bombing and caretaking love. And the reason that I really wanted to talk about this is because especially as I have grown in relationships and also as I've watched my clients grow in their relationships, there is often a a question about what is, how do you know if someone's love bombing you? So when, you know, the, the age old joke that talks about there being too nice, like I want, this is weird. I wonder if this is a red flag kind of thing. So how do you know the difference between that and when someone is actually showing up securely? However, I'm adding caretaking love as a part of this with you being a caretaker because I've also noticed that a lot of times people will have their set patterns. They will have their set type. When I talk about type, I'm not talking about six foot five, you know, with a beard because we can have multiple different lovers, multiple different types of friends who all look different, have different ethnicities or from the different places, do different things for a living, are broke or poor or larger bodied or, or smaller bodied or whatever, but they have the same energy around them or we have the same type of relationship with them. And for some of us, we could tend to go towards people who are the love bombers, the flashy ones, the charmers, you know, the fuck boys, the fuck girls, whatever, what have you. And for some of us, that's not our type. For some of us, we go towards the good people, the people with the good hearts and not to say people who have a problem with infidelity necessarily have a bad heart. And I'm giving that disclaimer because I know all of us have our issues and, you know, some of us are those people because of our avoidance and you're here to work on it. Right. So this is a safe space for all of us. And it's also a safe space for us who need to, who've been on the other receiving side of that and are trying to learn how to not be with those types of folks. But to finish my my point, if you're like me, you may tend towards the caretaker. So yeah, I've dated some narcissists, but my main pattern was men who I got to take care of emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, that I was a caretaker for. And that type of energy was very familiar to me, being someone who was very parentified, very much the caretaker of everyone around me, the leader. So that maternal energy felt like secure love for me because 
it was what I grew up with. It is the it was the role I was more adapted to, but it wasn't. It was just trauma playing out. So in today's episode, I am going to be talking about the difference between those. And I'm going to be talking about the difference between those within the five love languages. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Now, I'm not sure when everyone's going to listen to this, but I want y'all to know that today's episode topic is also being featured because on February the 18th, I know I just posted that it was going to be the 17th, but I'm going to do it on Saturday morning, February 18th. I'm going to be having a healing intensive about healing fear and distrust towards healthy men. Because what I will find is that women will do all this work to be able to be available for love. But then when they have healthy, secure love in front of them, they can't say yes to it because of deep fear of either trauma that they've experienced with other men, with societal fear, not knowing whether or not that this man is actually a predator or a protector and not knowing how to tell the difference. So for a few hours on a Saturday morning, we're going to be getting deep y'all. So bring your journals, bring your pillows, bring your blankets, bring your friends. I saw some of them in the comments saying that they were going to bring friends, recovery school students. Y'all are grandfathered into this for free. Would love for you to come and go deeper in the work we've already done together. But yeah, we are getting into it. And this is just part of it. Knowing, knowing once you are there, making sure that you do not slip into love bombing or caretaker love is so important. But when I was doing this, <laughs> when I was doing my outline for this show, these are just five categories I'm going to talk about, but I have like 15. And so I was thinking, should I make this an extra lesson in the recovery school? In addition to what I'm going to teach y'all today, since there's like three times as much information I want to share. But I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the healing fear and distrust of healthy men so that you can know when men are healthy And not only you know women are healthy, but you be able to not live in that fear and that distrust that paralyzes you from moving forward. I think I'm going to focus on that workshop for Saturday, February 18th. And then if y'all want, we'll do a full, we'll do another healing intensive. So more tears, more journaling, more releasing, more healing. (laughs) But maybe we can look into doing that later. And I'm not going to put a date because you never know what's going to happen. So anyways, that is our intro, y'all. Let's go ahead and jump in. This is going to be a meaty one. So get ready. Okay. So like I said, I'm going to be reviewing whether or not what is happening in a new relationship. This is going to be mostly romantic, but I, when I was writing this, I could think of several family examples for sure. And maybe a few friendship, but this is going to be tilting towards romantic partnerships. So when you are in a romantic partnership, how do you know if what is happening is because they are a securely attached person who are really into you, who's really into you, whether or not they are love bombing you. So this is going to tend towards narcissists and then, or if you are being triggered with your caretaking. So this is someone who is unavailable for you because they need you as a caretaker versus a lover or a partner. It is not a horizontal relationship. It is an up-down relationship but it feels all the same to you because that is what you what you what you know what you're most comfortable with and the thing about caretaker I'm going to talk about this cuz this is something I know very well the thing about being in a caretaker relationship as much as it is draining to you it also feels so empowering cuz you get to be in control 
You get to say what happens and you get to say what doesn't happen. You get to show up as your best self and be the hero. And there's so much, there's so much benefit or what feels like benefit at first, but really you end up losing a lot. But, you know, I'm going to save it to when we talk about that one specifically. So I thought it'd be best to talk about the love languages because I know that when it comes to being in partnerships, many of us need to learn to not only identify what it is that you want in a relationship and then to own it. Many of us have learned how to become needless and wantless. So whatever relationship we're in, however that person chooses to love us, we're like, okay, well, this is the, this is who they are. So I'm going to understand that when they're doing this for me, that that is what that means, which on one hand is great, right? It's all about your partner is a different person than you. They have a different background. They have a different set of needs and wants and desires. So chances are who you're with, they are not going to have the same love language as you. A lot of times, many times they do, but not always. And so you being able to understand when they are speaking to you in their language is so important. But the but with that is many people have done that for so long between their parents, between their siblings, between their children, between their coworkers, between other people, trying to over understand other people to where you don't understand yourself. And then when you do understand yourself, you feel very guilty or selfish that you have needs, that you have wants. Maybe I am asking for too much. Why do I need words of affirmation? I should love myself. Girl, it is okay. And y'all have heard me say this exact thing I'm about to say. It is okay for you to want someone to tell you that you're pretty, to tell you that they're proud of you, to tell you that you are their world if that is what you need. It is okay if your love language is gifts, to want to receive flowers, to need to receive flowers from someone who is your lover. It is okay for you to want to have a partner who goes and cleans out your car without you asking, and they are looking for ways to make your life easier. It is okay for you to want someone to spend time with you. Yes, you know that that person works 60, 80 hours a week, so here's what you decide. You decide not how do I learn to live without this, but you get to decide, is this the type of partner for me? Because there are so many ways that we will seek to play out our trauma response overtly and and covertly or unconsciously and unconsciously. And one of those ways is if your love language is quality time, you keep finding people who live across the world. You keep finding people who are too busy to spend time with you, and but they're so amazing. And so you're like, well, let me just go and make this work because maybe this is worth it. Girl, you are setting yourself up to be abandoned emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and physically from the get-go. And then you're gaslighting yourself out of your own needs. And where do we learn that? Childhood trauma. So this is where we need to stop the patterns upright. And so we're going to do all the love languages. If you don't know your love language, Google love language quiz, find out which one it is. If you feel like you think you know what it is, but you've been trying to, you know, mold yourself to be who other people want you to be for so many years that you're confused, go ahead and take the quiz so it can be the tiebreaker for you. As a quick recap, though, the five love languages are acts of service, gifts, compliments, quality time, and physical touch. The theory being presented by Gary Chapman that everyone gives and receives love in one of these five love languages, or maybe two as your top ones. A lot of people will talk about, and I'll even talk about here, that you know, healthy love can and does look like all of these, but really it you're pushed to really look at, okay, what are the ways that I most prefer to receive and give love? And you can give and receive love in different languages. So if mine was gifts, it could be that I give a lot of gifts to people who I really cherish. So partners, friends, lovers, you know, whoever. 
and but I could receive in quality time, meaning I don't really want any gifts back, but I just want you to spend time with me and be focused on me. Or they can match or you can have a tie. But it's important for you to know your love language so that you can communicate to your partners, your lovers, your friends, your family, what it is that you need and don't rely on them being mind readers or rely on them knowing you more than you know yourself. It is your job to know you. It is your job to communicate for you. It's your job to seek people and relationships and things that nourish you and take care of you and not ones that detract. If you find yourself in relationships and with people who do that, that is part of your job to move away from that. You can communicate it, but if they continue to do what they're doing, you're in charge of the next steps from there, not them, because they've already shown you and communicated to you what they were available for and what they were willing to do. So the next move is on you. So when we look at secure love, when we look at people who are securely attached to us, and I'm going to talk about when I talk about romantic relationships, for the most part, this is going to be for new relationships, but this is applies to long-term relationships as well. When we look at secure love at the beginning, when someone is into you, they are going to be very intentional about making their love known. They're not going to be coming with, even though we all have traumas, but they're not going to come with a trauma-focused or a trauma-centered way of courting you that is, I'm afraid of showing my hand too much, or I'm going to, I'm afraid of you getting to know me and rejecting me. So it's this in and out type of thing. It's like, I'm going to call you sometimes, or I'm going to put some time between. I'm going to speak in code about how much I like you and all that other stuff. When someone is securely attached and they are sure about you, when they're certain about you, they are going to be very clear about it because they don't have all that baggage that comes along with it. At the onset, that can look like love bombing because a lot of the actions, not all of them, again, I'm going to differentiate, right now, but a lot of the actions and the wooing and the pursuing and the gifting or the words happen as well in love bombing, but the energy around it is different. The intention around it is different. The consistency around it is different. So that is what you're going to be looking for. So I'm going to go one by one through each of the love languages. I'm going to be talking fast. So this episode is not an hour and a half. So with acts of service, if someone is securely attached, if they are coming from a place of secure love, this is going to look like them actively looking for ways to make your life easier. So they are look, They are going to see, you mentioned that your car is dirty and stressing you out. They will go and pay for it to get cleaned and detailed. You are talking about how you're really stressed for the day. They will send you dinner or lunch without you asking for it. They are proactively finding ways to make your life easier and to alleviate your stress and make you happy and make you smile. The intention behind it is to make you smile and to make you happy. They are not looking for anything back in return. If anything, a lot of times someone who this is their love language and they're giving from a secure place, they can get offended that you're trying to pay them back for being kind to you because they see that you deserve kindness and love freely, even if you don't yet. So that is what secure pursuing looks like. When someone is love bombing you, they may promise to do these things for you or they may join in with how bad that is. They may send you some money. They might even do these things at first, but it is not consistent. If anything, they will use what they did for you earlier against you later on in a conversation or later on in the relationship saying, well, you know, I just did this for you and I know you want to hang out, but you know, I made this sacrifice to do this for you. So, you know, I hope you understand why I'm not available now right? So that gift of service came with the cost. Because I gave to you before, you owe me the forgiveness or you owe me the flexibility here, right? Versus 
someone who's securely attached and let's say it's the same situation they wouldn't got your car detailed and they took your car for you either to surprise you or they were there and they asked you for the keys but then they can't hang out later they're not even going to bring that up girl because that has nothing to do with the other them not using time earlier for you because it came from a true place has nothing to do with whether or not you owe them the grace or the past later on. They will have a conversation with you then about, well, how can we move forward? What can I do? Because I can't come tonight because of whatever reason, but I really want to be there. What do you need from me? That's what the conversation is going to sound like. If someone is a caretaker and, and, and we're looking in the realm of acts of service, they may do things for you, but it is, they, <laughs> I'm trying to think of <laughs> They may do things for you, but sometimes it's because they are coming from a place of trying to apologize for kind of taking up space. So again, remember when I talk about caretaking love, I'm talking about you're the caretaker and you're with someone who is not on your level. Even if they have more accolades or whatever else than you, which actually when you are in a caretaker relationship, very rarely is that the case. They're usually someone who, and this is like a Bob the Builder relationship, you see the potential, they're so close and you want to be available for them. Maybe y'all have a lot of, a long history together and you, again, you see the potential. So anyways, if they do something for you, it is usually, here, I did this for you. And again, that apology, I'm so sorry, I'm such a burden, you know, but here, this is, here's this really sweet thing to kind of make it up for you. If you are in a long-term relationship or even a not-so-long-term relationship and they're doing something for you, it can often be done with complaining, like, okay, I guess I'll do it, or all right. That also means it can often come after a fight, after you've been talking about feeling neglected for so long, or you know, you're giving them ultimatums and you're saying you want this. They do it, but you had to fight to get it. If they do do something, they do it half-assed, so they either do it incompletely, they do it with a low energy, or they do it again half-assed, which means you have to come in and do the rest. So we talk about the feigned incompetency. So when people fake that they can't do things because it's easier to get you to do things for them. And they may have this energy around, well, at least I tried if you try to hold them, hold their feet to the fire when it comes to that. And oftentimes, something that I experienced before with in caretaker relationships is that they feel because they're tallying up what they are doing as well, similar to people who are love bombing you. They are they will hold ransom or hold hostage whether or not they do a nice thing because they will say, Well, you haven't been doing this for me, right? And because they are they are <laughs> they are keeping records of what they think is fair and not fair. And if you're in a caretaking relationship, if you want to actually put down the the facts of it, most likely you have done way more than they have done. But in their eyes, because they're coming from a place of being drained and nothing is never enough for them. So both with love bombers and with caretakers, whatever you give and whatever you sacrifice is never enough. Secure love does not require you to sacrifice yourself and your mental health and your energy, but love bombers and caretaking relationships do. But whatever you give in that caretaking relationship is not enough for them to feel as if you are truly giving as much as they are. When we're looking at gifts, insecure, love, secure relationships, if gifting is their love language, then it is consistent. They are thoughtful. They are generous in it. They are looking for ways to enhance your life and delight you and bring you joy. You have heard me said here and on TikTok and maybe some other places as well that this has nothing to do with budgets. This has nothing to do with budgets. If someone's love language is gifts, they are going to find a way to make something that may not cost a lot of money be the most 
thoughtful gesture in the world because they're going to be studying you. They're going to be studying you and what makes you feel happy and whole. And again, is they are not asking for anything back. Same thing. When someone's love language is gifts, they will get offended that you're trying to pay them back for what they have given you. Because seeing you happy is a gift. Why? Because you are a gift. And if you don't believe that you're a gift, when people treat you like a gift, you're going to be like, what's the catch? Right? When this is how you should have been treated your whole life. So gifts are non-transactional with people who are coming from a place of secure love. When someone is a love bomber, it's interesting. So they may start off with lavishing you gifts, but sometimes they can start off with the painting of the fantasy and painting of what, what your life will be like. And so there's a lot of promises of gifts. There's a lot of promises of la- of lavish things. They may even do a thing or two here and there to make it look like this is what the lifestyle will be, but it is not the case. Long-term or even short-term, their gifting is dependent on your good behavior, whether or not they're satisfied with you, whether or not they're happy with you, whether or not y'all are fighting or not, whether or not they like your vibe. Gifting often happens to woo you back as part of the honeymoon period after a cycle of abuse, especially in a narcissistic relationship, to apologize to you. When they see that one foot is out the door, then they start to give you gifts. Or, and or they are generous because it makes them look good. So it makes them look good to their colleagues. It makes them look good to other family members. It makes them look good to, you know, the community to have you. I would often hear this between mothers and daughters. So it would be a mother who was often taking care of her daughter's physical appearance um, because it made her look good for her daughter to look really good. And But with that comes all the body shaming and all the other stuff that comes with it. The complexes for you... And if beauty does feel you being beautiful is now trauma because of all the contingencies that went with it from your mother or from the community and from the people around you. In a caretaking relationship, when the love language is gifts, is when I was writing this down, y'all, <laughs> this one was hard. I'll sit with this one a little bit, but I'm going to say this part because I know that this is actually part of it. When you are in a caretaking relationship and the love language is gifts, you don't really get gifts because the relationship is based on you taking care of them, you reading what they want, you being thoughtful with what they need, you giving to them before they give to you. And again, oftentimes it's in a one down relationship. So they're not on the level to give to you in the way that you give to them. So even, but here's the thing. Remember what I just said that this has nothing to do with money. This has to do with thoughtfulness and intentionality and whether or not they feel that you deserve to be cherished. So even in that vein, what I'm about to say is not about money, but your gifts are always better than theirs. Not because you may have spent more money, but because you have been studying them. You have been very intentional about what makes their life easier, what delights them, what makes them happy, and they have not given you the same energy. Why? Because they're going through things, because they're 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 having problems right now, because you know, they just have to get their head straight, because they're working on finding a job, because, you know, whatever just happened, whatever family tragedy or crisis just happened that they're focused on, you know, that kind of stuff. Or they may give something to you, but they half-ass it and it's not really as intentional as yours. Let's talk about words of affirmation slash compliments. So when someone is securely attached to you and going back to talking specifically about new relationships, they are going to be generous with the compliments. They are going to talk about how you're beautiful. They're going to talk about how you're smart. They're going to talk about how impressed they are with you. They're going to talk about their feelings for you. They're going to tell you that they really like you. They are not going to play games around that unless they're reading your vibes and they're trying to be a little bit discriminant. Is discriminant the right way? 
I don't know. They're trying to be a little bit more moderate about how much they give you because especially if it's, you know, one of those, once somebody knows, they know, but they're kind of reading that you're trying to feel things out. They are most likely not going to say, Hey, I'm pretty sure you're going to be my husband or my wife within the first couple days. Some people do. (laughs) Not everybody does. (laughs) Some of you who've had that experience and it has worked out, you're like, yeah, that's, that's exactly how it is. But they may or may not hold it back from telling you just because they don't want to scare you off, but it's not because they are afraid of expressing themselves. When someone is love bombing you, they may also say really nice things that may sound very similar, but there's also a tone of worship around it. So you are the best person I've ever met, ever. I've never felt this deeply before. You are my world. You are my son. I feel like I can't breathe without you. That's a lot. Someone who's securely attached may say similar things, which would sound like more like, I have not felt this way before. There is something different about how I feel for you. I hope that this lasts forever. What else? I think I could see this being something real, but with love bombing, there's this intensity around it. It's almost like this possession around you, which I'm going to talk about a little bit later too. But that that's what I mean by worship. It's like you are this deity, you're this goddess, and they need you to live and to survive. Which if you are struggling with your low self-esteem or if you've been coming from relationships or you've been burned and not been seen, if you're like, I know that I'm an amazing person, why is no one treating me in the way I deserve? And you have someone come and start to say that stuff to you, it's going to be very easy no matter how smart you are, no matter how how much therapy you've been in to fall for that if it's not on your radar. But love bombers are, they are very good at reading your insecurities. It's, it's always concerning to me when someone is in a relationship that's giving clear signs of abuse, even if it's emotional and mental abuse and not including physical abuse, but including that as well and sexual abuse as well. But whenever I see people who know that someone is unavailable in some way or manipulative and they're like, you know what? They think they're going to get me. I'm going to go back and get them. Like they can't get me. And your ego makes you stay in these places of danger because you have had people try to take your power away. And this is one more person. There are people who are professional predators, y'all. Professional predators. And they have already read your insecurity and your ego-driven trigger that you don't want to feel like you're not smart enough or you don't want to feel like you're that you're too weak and that you're not strong enough, that you don't want someone to get the best out of you. So all they got to do, you think you're playing them, but all they have to do is keep plucking that string and that's going to keep you there because you have a vendetta to prove. You have something to prove instead of knowing who you are and walking away and being in relationships that actually treat you in a way that you deserve. You're, you're going towards, you're going deeper into the, into the lion's den. So know who you are and know what you deserve. But also with the love bombing, when it comes to words of affirmation, it can often come with negging, which is like little small drops of insults that will spear on self-doubt. So it can look like, you know, you are so pretty. Just those earrings, you know, they really don't flatter you as much. So it's a compliment, but it's not. It's a backhanded compliment. And because it's inserting it at the same time as supposed affirmational phrase, it gets easier down the road for them to just say the straight out insults without the cushion around it. And then also something I didn't say in secure love, you know, when they're affirming you, 
they can affirm you for who you are and who you, your personality and what you bring to the world and what you bring to them. Yes. But just who you are holistically, when someone's love bombing you, it's all about how you make them feel, what you give to them, how you help them, how you make their life easier. Nothing about your personality, who you are, your intellect or any of that. And then if you're in a caretaking relationship, again, they are focused on themselves. So really the affirmations and everything, it may- We hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it. Clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in. And also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Maybe thank you. I'm so appreciative for how you've helped me. Thank you for how you believed in me. Thank you for how patient you are with me, but nothing about you, nothing about who you are. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. 
My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. We're doing good, y'all. Okay, two more. If y'all were here, I'm so tempted to stop and pause for questions, but y'all ain't here. So we're going to, maybe we'll need to do another workshop after this one. But I will let y'all send some DMs or emails and let us know if that's what you want. I'm not really in my DMs anymore, but I have team members who are. So we'll collect that and get that together. But let's talk about quality time. So when you're starting a relationship and we are looking at someone who is securely attached, giving you secure love, here's how this is going to look like love bombing. There is no boundary in the time that they want to spend with you. Now, for those of you who've worked with me, don't get scared. Don't be like, what? (laughs) Because I very much talk about time limits and boundaries, especially for those of us who are love addicts to not fully, just completely lose ourselves and lose our lives. So remember, if someone's securely attached, they have their own hobbies, they have their own relationships, they have their own identity. You are not their identity, right? And they like that you have your own identity. That is why they are attracted to you. They are not wanting you to lose who you are, which is what love bombing does, to suddenly kind of merge into being only there for them. There is nothing that you have to lose and sacrifice with secure love, but because because you are their person... They do want to just cuddle with you and get to know you and spend so much time with you because they actually enjoy you as a person, not because they are using you for your energy and for your life force, but because they like you, right? So when I say that there's no boundary, that's what I mean. It means that because they like you as a person, that y'all are truly friends and that they see you for who you are and they are vibing with it. That is why there's not a boundary. That does not mean that there are not naturally occurring boundaries, like the fact that y'all both have jobs, you both have hobbies, you both have friendships and that kind of thing. But if they could have more of you, they would want that. That kind of goes back to what I was saying about just verbally, you know, they don't withhold that because of some types of gaming. They may withhold that due to boundaries and respecting where you are, respecting that you may be busy or they can read either because you told them or because they can read it off of you that you have some hesitancy with spending time together. But if you were available for that, that they would want to move forward with that. And they are not coming with that baggage of, well, I don't want to like her too much because what may happen? No, we want people who like us more than we like them even, right? Like that is that is okay. If you're always being in relationships where you do all the work emotionally and you like them more, that is why when you see people who actually really like you, that's scary as hell. It's like stalker level. It's like, whoa, don't you have something else to do? Like, don't shouldn't you be going and, I don't know, <laughs> fixing a car or, you know, calling your mama? Like, don't you have something else to do, girl? He want, He wants to be with you or she wants to be with you. You know, when it comes to quality time, from what I know from my friends and my clients and my family who are in queer relationships, you know, spending quality time together stereotypically is not an issue for women loving women relationships. So this may not apply for for y'all if what I've been told and what I've seen is actually true and accurate. But for in my people who are in opposite sex relationships, 
that is something that I see a lot, that there's like this this double dash or this kind of bouncing back and forth between who's going to show their card more. And when you have securely attached people, they communicate. They communicate what they feel. They communicate what they need. They communicate what they're available for. And they communicate what they're not available for. Easy peasy. And they're able to differentiate between this is actual trauma and red flags and you needing to be discerning with this person because of what they're showing me and because of what the energy is. Or this stuff is coming up for me and it has nothing to do with this person in front of me and I need to go and heal that and work through that so that the shadows and the ghosts from this past relationship are not affecting me here and messing up something that's good. And while I'm here, when you're securely attached, you are also able, it doesn't mean you do relationships perfectly, but it means if you do end up making a mistake, then you're able to take that and learn from it and grow from it. It doesn't become a monument towards why you will never believe in love again and why you can't ever let anybody in. It's like, oh, okay. That's what happened here. That really hurt. What happened here or what was ha- what did I see or choose not to see that set me up to be in this dangerous situation? And what can I do differently next time? Because I know I want love. I know I deserve love. And I know love is available. That We do not have a world full of people who are, who are all alone. And we do not have a, a world full of people of everyone who is depressed. And I think I said this in last week's episode, or I went around it, or perhaps the episode before, but I don't think I landed at this point. And I'm gonna try again, just in case I didn't. If we truly, truly believe that everyone around us who are in relationships are secretly miserable, and we see people who are supposedly happy And then we're like, well, you only see part of it. You don't see the whole thing. They have to be miserable. I would really encourage us to look at where that is coming from. Is that coming from real trauma that you have seen and experienced, which is valid? And is there a part of you that where it's easier for you to believe that everybody is miserable versus that this is possible Because if you actually try to hope and believe again, only to be disappointed that it would break you and you're doing everything that you can to avoid being broken, when what you could do, an alternative what you could do is to surround yourself with people and relationships who are happy, who do know how to grow together, where partners are giving in the way that you want to be in relationships where it's giving to you. And I say that because there are some people who want to your relationships to be very mutual. And there are some relationships where you want your partner to give more in certain areas and you support in different areas. And I'm just, you know, I'm talking about traditional and like modernism, but I know that those are such, such emotional buzz phrases right now that I'm trying to talk around it versus actually saying it. But I just want you to know that that is so possible. I was in a Facebook group the other day, and I can't remember the actual name of the, the post or what the theme of the post was, but there was, it was about relationships. And one woman, she was like, well, and I think they were talking about getting remarried or something. And there was one woman who was like, well, I'm 40, what she said? She said, I am 48 with kids, so men in my and with like a three-year-old or something. So she's like, men in my age, you know, my, my chances are lower because because of my age and also because I'm coming with a little one. Like men my age and older don't want that. And then there was another woman who posted, well, my, my boyfriend or her partner is around the same age as her. 
and his kids are grown and I'm coming in with a four-year-old and he is so excited to be able to be a parent again and is even open if we wanted to try for more. So it is possible. You know, everything that people are saying about what it, what is available and what is not available for you, fuck that. They are projecting their own limiting beliefs and their own limiting limiting experiences. What is it that you want? And if you believe that love is not possible for you, you are going to keep connecting to people on that same energy level where love is not possible, where they say they want commitment, but they don't, where they come in ready to move forward, but then they got nine different kids by eight different mamas. Like you're going to keep getting exactly what you want with the energy of what you feel like is possible. And I want to validate that it's not as easy as changing your mind. There is real trauma and real experiences that makes it hard for you to believe and to trust and to let go of that fear, right? So you need to do that work to get there. That is why I do these workshops, y'all. That's why I do these programs, because if it was as easy as just changing your mind or like writing a list about what the positive thoughts that you want to think are without clearing this stuff out, we all would have done it. Everyone listening to this podcast is smart as y'all are so smart and y'all are so capable. When I get to like meet y'all in person, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you are a VIP. You are a VIP. Like, you, like y'all are so amazing. And it's not even just about the careers that y'all do, but just your energy and your intellect and your humor and your beauty. Like y'all are just <sighs> your wisdom. Like y'all are just incredible. Right. So that is that's not the issue. It's, it's what you feel like you're available for and and whether or not you're able to receive it once it's in front of you. The information for how to join that join that workshop, I'll be sharing it at the end. I didn't say that say that say that at the beginning. My apologies. And it's also going to be in the show notes. And for those of y'all who cannot join us on Saturday, you are going to be able to submit a question ahead of time for me to answer in the replay. You get lifetime access to it. I mean, anyone who's listening to this podcast later, you will still be able to get access to the intensive even after that to cry with us, to take notes, to do the exercises and all the things that we're going to do together. And yes, this workshop is going to be applicable for people who are already in married and committed relationships because the fear and distrust due to things that have happened in the past or things that are currently happening needs to be addressed as well, right? Just because you decide to make a commitment to something does not erase all the things that were that were present before. So that is secure love. Let's talk about love bombing. So once when we're talking about the love language of quality time and love bombing, like I already said, they they need you. They need you like they need air. If you are not tapped into the danger around this intensity, you are just going to feel as if you have found the one. Y'all are going to spend hours and hours together on the phone, in person. They are going to get you to drop commitments because they're going to be so good at wooing you and convincing you and telling you all the things that you want to hear, all the things that your heart needs. It feels really good in the first hour of being love bombed. (laughs) And I say the first hour because the contingencies when you're being love bombed comes very quick. Like what I just said, you need to neglect phone calls from other people, hanging out with other people, spending time with them, their hobbies, every single spare minute that you have, they're looking to plan a date with you, which on one hand is like great, but it's also not, again, respecting the fact that you need to breathe. 
you need to breathe, that you need a break. And that's part of someone who's a love bomber, making themselves your full life, making it so that you become emotionally and socially and mentally dependent on them. Long-term, there is no consistency with love bombing. If not, and long-term can mean within three days and it can mean, mean within a month. Because someone who's love bombing you is not coming from a secure place, they're coming from a place of getting you hooked. They are really good at testing you as well. When someone is love bombing you, they will dangle the carrot. They will tell you all the nice things and then pull back with the words of affirmation and compliments. And you're going to notice the shift and then it's going to really cause you to try to move forward be a good girlfriend, be a good partner, be a good listener, be a good friend to try to get them to restart the same energy that they had before. So same thing with quality time. Really good about spending all this time with you and then they stop or they promise a date and then they flake out on you or they get really busy or they ghost you. But because they started with this big intensity at first, again, if this is a place that you're living in deprivation of, you are going to really want more. So I'm not going to talk about deprivation right now. We'll save that for another day. But if deprivation is an issue for you, go ahead and scan our podcast archive or all of the titles and look for ones that talk about deprivation. So ways that you may be neglecting yourself emotionally, mentally, socially, spiritually, financially, sexually, environmentally. And there are a few more other ways that we can neglect ourselves, which makes us very susceptible to people who have what we don't have. And we think that we found our person, but really we have created loopholes within ourselves that makes it easier for predators to come and take advantage. So go and look into that. We talk about some resources like our Love Woman Foundations course that's built to help us not be in deprivation. But long-term, you know, because it's not coming from a secure place, all this, they can't get enough from you. All of a sudden, they can't stand to be around you. So they split their time between other friends, through other romantic partnership relationships, even if y'all are supposed to be in monogamous relationships, through people who are better opportunities and more fun. They may even resent spending time with you and feel like you're such a drain. They may feel like you treat you like you're so annoying when you're around. And the same thing, as soon as you are about to be out the door, all of a sudden you are the best thing ever. They are wooing you with gifts, time, energy, love, sex, all the stuff to keep you there. The difference between secure love and love bombing as well, in addition to the consistency and to go along with the theme with the other secure loves is that they're wanting to spend time with you is based on you feeling comfortable and you wanting to spend time with them as well and you being available for it. There's none of this. I want to see you like you're never available for me. And like, even if you just saw them the day before, right? Like it needs to make sense. Even if they don't have a boundary and how much time they would want to spend with you, they understand if you do, which a love bomber does not have. When it comes to quality time in a caretaking relationship where you are the caretaker with this person who may be your age or older (laughs) or a little bit younger in the realm of, well, this is not just romantic relationships, but I think all, you're the one who's planning it. So remember, and the other ones, insecure, this person is so attended to you and what makes you feel good and what you enjoy. So quality time is around maybe hobbies that they like, but also hobbies that you like, like they're studying you. Someone who's securely attached wants to help you and your best thriving version feel good, which is why it's so important for y'all to know who you are and what you like and be tapped into your pleasure, tapped into what makes you laugh, what makes you have fun. If I ask you what you do for fun and you only can tell me that you exercise and you meditate, those are beautiful self-care tools, 
But what makes you light up? What delights you? When is the last time you belly laughed outside of, you know, a a comedy special for 45 minutes, like, and then it was done. Like, where do you get your pleasure throughout your day? If you do not, if you do not know how to do that and you're debating on someone else to give that to you, you are always going to be at the mercy of whatever is the most fun package in front of you. And most of the time, the people who are the most fun until we do this healing work are the people who are very aligned with the way that our trauma has worked before. And most often those are people who are unavailable for us. But again, in a caretaking relationship, you're the one who's making plans. You have studied them. You know what they like. You know what their schedule is. So you're planning the days. You're planning the outings. You're suggesting it. If they do plan something, a lot of times it is because they see that you're upset and they may feel pressured to do it or it may just be, well, let me just give this to them. But it's not because it is coming from a place of them wanting to see you happy, maybe wanting to get you back on their good side, make things up to you get you off their back, but it's not coming from a generous place. If y'all do go someplace, a lot of times it is y'all aren't having a good time. You're not having a good time because again, their focus is on them. For someone who is very needy and doesn't feel good about themselves, it's really hard for them to actually generate their own emotional stability and control. So either they're in a bad mood, just going into it either magically or they've been in a bad mood so that when it comes time for the big date, they have an excuse to be on bad behavior. They will be going through a crisis and that's their reason for putting on a face and you know not being able to settle in. And you're the one who's, again, caretaking, trying to cheer things up, trying to you know change the topic, trying to be positive, trying to give the bright side to the situation when it ain't going to happen, Captain. And then even if it is something that they like because they are so focused on being miserable <laughs> and and being not having their own agency without someone helping kind of mother them and and take care of them it could be the most favorite thing and they're going to find something that's wrong. They're going to find that the lines are too long or they're going to find that they didn't really like the food. They're going to find a reason to complain. So your quality time is not going to actually be about connecting. It's going to be, you're still going to be on the clock when it comes to quality time. And last one, because I'm looking at the clock, physical touch. So on Secure Love, they want to touch you. Well, no, no, no. Let me take this back. I want to be very sensitive sensitive to the fact that there are different levels of comfort when it comes to physical touch, that there's sexual trauma that exists for many of us that can also get in the way. So I'm going to speak as if that person does not have sexual abuse trauma and that you do not have sexual abuse trauma and that this is like an average, that we're operating from a place of an average level where physical touch is good. Okay. Um, if that does not apply to you, then just take kind of the notes and the energy of what I'm saying and apply it for you just to keep in mind in the future. But someone who enjoys physical touch and knows that you are not opposed to physical touch is going to want to touch you and they find pleasure in holding you and they have find pleasure in also being held as well. However, with physical touch, It is about 40% about them and 60% about you. Again, because someone who is into you 
and you are not being used as a sex tool, you're not being used for their own pleasure, you're not being used as a distraction, they want to make sure that you feel good. They get pleasure from seeing how you light up. They're seeing pleasure from seeing how you can come to completion, how you can feel delighted in and feel beautiful and feel comfortable, you know? Physical touch is about giving and it's also not only about sexual intercourse if you are in a romantic relationship with this person. So they find delight in you and they can connect to you in multiple ways. Please do not send this to your partner as a way to tell them that sex is not important. That's not what I said. I said that physical connection (laughs) does not only need to happen in sexual intercourse, but the other ways as well. And that is an important distinction for me to make, not only so that you don't get me in trouble, but also when we talk about people who are love bombers and narcissists, after the initial wooing and all that other stuff, what I've often seen, maybe this is not the case for everyone, but what I've often seen is that sexual intercourse is most likely the only way that there is physical intimacy, which is interesting because physical intimacy happens in the holding of hands. It happens in the light caresses when they walk past you in the, in the kitchen, the, the pats on the butt, the kisses on the cheek. Like that is how you stay physically connected to your partner throughout the day and throughout the week when you are not having sex and you are still able to maintain the physical container. However, when we look at love bombers where the connection is not about intimacy, that is about trauma bonding. And again, when it's about love bombers, that they are very selfish and it's more about what they want and what they need than intercourse in whatever form, is the main go-to. Now, again, this may not be how it starts, but this is absolutely how it is the longer you are in a relationship. I have heard and found and seen personally, and again, this may not be the case, that long-term people who are love bombers are pretty selfish lovers. Even if they focus on getting you off, it's not because they want you to get off. It is because it makes them feel good. And it's more about them and their pride and their ego versus that they see pleasure in getting your, getting their partner have pleasure, if that makes sense. If they are a physical affectionate, it is about manipulation, either the manipulation of getting you hooked on them at the beginning, or if y'all have had a fight, if y'all are If you are feeling neglected, all they got to do is come over and give you some cuddles and watch TV with you on the couch for a little bit because you're starved for that true deep intimacy and then you're good, you know, and they know that. And then with caretakers, you are using your body to help them feel better. So this is a throwback to maternal energy. So it's interesting, even when someone is you're in a maternal relationship with them. At first, you may not realize it because you have conflated intimacy and maternal energy so that you may be really sexually sexually connected at the beginning, but that does not that does not last. Because no one wants to have a sexual connection with their dependent. So, if or when you are using physical comfort when you're in a caretaking relationship, it's to help them feel better, it's to distract them. Yes, it may be for you sometimes, but really it's because you were just needing that intimacy, but not because you feel like this is your life partner. Okay, so that is as much as I could squeeze into this podcast episode, again, without it going two hours with me putting all the contingencies. And then, like I said, there are 10 more other things, but we are doing this as we gear into healing our fear and distrust towards healthy men. This this workshop is available for 
everyone, no matter what your gender presentation is, no matter what your sexual orientation is, no matter what your relationship status is, because what I've seen over the years is that there is a general fear and distrust towards men and romantic relationships and, and even towards friendships. So that is what this workshop is going to be about. We are going to be coming from a place of balance where we can talk about what has happened with us with honesty, with our own personal truth, with owning that. And we are also using this workshop to move forward. We are letting this go. We want to be able to accurately define what is predatory and what is not. If we are in committed partnerships with people who we love, um, if we are mothers of sons, if we are aunts to nephews, we want to be able to see them as people and know how to move forward and move forward with love and not move forward with uh, trepidation and not to hold things that don't apply to them against them, which not only hurts them, but it hurts us. It hurts everybody involved because here we have people who really want to love and give love and be loved and not know how to move towards towards each other. So that's what we're going to be doing, y'all. We're going to be doing it again on Saturday morning, February 18th. It's going to be from 10 to noon or 10 to 1, we'll see, 10 a.m. CST. Again, when you enroll, you will you will be sent a survey with questions for you to fill out to tell me what is it that has brought you to this place, what is the main question that you want to hit on, and a few other questions as well so that I can tailor the curriculum to you. I'm going to be doing this intensive like I've done all of my intensives, including the Healed and Love Women retreats, which is what y'all want to learn about. That is what we're going to be going deep in. And then, of course, a Q&A at the end. So can't wait to see y'all. If you're a recovery school student or alumni, make sure you email us to get access to the workshop. And I think I hit all of the FAQs. You will not have to come on camera. Oh, this is online, so people around the world can come. I know I have people all around the world who listen. And... I think that's it. The way you enroll is to go to blackgirlsheal.org slash workshop, blackgirlsheal.org slash workshop. You're going to be taken straight to the registration checkout page. You can read more about what are the different things that we're going to cover. And again, you keep life lifetime access to this. So that's it for now, y'all. I'm sending you all so much love. I hope that I get to see y'all on February 18th. And if you're listening to this afterwards and you get to purchase the intensive, I hope that this is something that you can continue to refer back to, to go deeper with the men in your lives and the future men in your lives as well. So that's it for now. Love y'all. Take care.